This first meditation was uh, something that truly I was <clears throat> thinking about on my own, just something that occurred to me in my reading and um, became my own meditation, something that I was intrigued by. Um, I usually am working on Good Friday. In fact, I can't remember the last time I had a Good Friday off until today, and I took the day off kind of impromptu. And it was so good for me, I'm going to make it a habit. Uh, it gave me a chance to think through some things that I usually just work right through, and you get busy, and you all know what it's like. You, you have your head down, you've got your task at hand, somebody's paying you to do something, and the day is gone, and you think, oh, man, it's supposed to be Good Friday. I'm supposed to be meditating on the Lord. And today I had the opportunity to really do that more. <clears throat> One of the things I did today um, was watch the clock. Um, just to remind myself what was going on on this day in Jerusalem, 1,992 years ago, approximately. Um, I had noticed earlier in the week a statement by the Lord that I had read in Luke that I had not really noticed before. And admittedly, uh, my mood was rather dark in meditating on this day, uh, different than it will be on Sunday. But in Luke 22... Beginning in verse 47, this is as Jesus is taken in Gethsemane. He's speaking there, and the crowd comes up, and Judas comes up and kisses him. And the Lord says to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when those who were around him saw what would follow, they said, Lord, shall we strike with a sword? And, none of them, and one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this, scolded him. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? But when I was with you day by day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. So this was the world's hour, this day. This day was the world's hour, a time of deep spiritual darkness. And the disciples seemed to be under the impression that this was the time for revolution. Jesus was about to defeat the Jewish enemies and then Rome. Take one and then the other. But Christ's mind was made up. The Father had not acquiesced in the garden. He had not agreed to remove the cup. His mind was set. He would die tonight. I wondered what it must have been like for Eve in the garden the evening after the fall. Times my wife has talked about that and how the disappointment would haunt you for the next 900 years. What you must think your husband must be thinking of you. And that sets very deeply in her soul. And, and I've thought through that a little bit. Trying to fall asleep at night must have been impossible with all of the what have I done thoughts. With the what will God do thoughts. The will Adam leave me thoughts. And the will Adam kill me thoughts. Same for the prophets. When we think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, when they delivered those woes upon Israel, their own people, 
the mouthpiece of God, knowing that the judgment of God had begun to fall, the what comes next thoughts, how time must have ground to a halt that 2,000 almost years ago for Jesus and his disciples. Not just the 12, but the hundreds of them who had been healed, raised from the dead, and believed in him as the Messiah. Their hopes were completely stacked on this man. This was truly the darkest of dark days. It is suitable for lamentation, for wailing, for grieving. And then we see their astonishment at the final outcome. He's been arrested, but what will come? Well, in Luke 23, beginning in verse 44, it tells us it was about noon. The sixth hour was noon. And God shut the curtains. It said there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. So from noon to three, while the sun's light failed. Complete pitch darkness The curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Verse 48, and all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances And the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a different distance watching these things. Can you imagine the astonishment on their faces? The difference from just earlier in the week, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The palms thrown in the way, the the ride in on the donkey, and and they're thinking revolution. He's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He's going to become the king. A few days later, all of their hopes are dashed. Not just arrested, but now crucified. Today when the noon hour came, and kind of that three hours from noon to three, I I kept looking at the clock. I I just wanted to remember... I consider the contrast with the bright, beautiful day that we had today. I got to get out and do some things today, and what a beautiful day, sandwiched in between what is probably going to be a couple of miserable ones. What a contrast to that day. Emmanuel, God with us, had declared to them that it was their hour. Those wicked men, it is your hour, he said, and the power of darkness. And the Father had let them have the darkness they craved as he shut out the sun for three hours. How astonished the children of the kingdom were. The dream was over. Their rabbi was slain and put on display in the most humiliating, grotesque way. Despite all the miracles, he must not have been the one. Or was he really the one, but evil actually did triumph over God? How could this be? Was it my fault? Could, they, could we have kept him from Jerusalem? 
that Passover and preserved his life until his movement gained more momentum? Did they bring this on him by going with him to Jerusalem? Should they have fought back in spite of his words in the Garden of Gethsemane? Will they come for us next and our families? Are we the next ones to be crucified? They would experience a different kind of astonishment on Sunday morning, but not today. Today, Good Friday, as we call it, is all about grief. The grief over Christ's suffering in the garden. The grief over the trial. The grief over the Lord being flogged. The grief over a self-serving Roman government. The grief of Jesus' humiliation. The grief of a loss of a way of life. For years they had followed him. The grief over the loss of a promised life. The grief over the loss of a mentor. The grief over the loss of a friend. The grief over their sin that this dead one said was forgiven. The grief over their own betrayal of him. The grief over their cowardice. The grief because of the triumph of evil. I thought of turning the page at this point in this meditation to the resurrection. Perhaps the other men will, but I decided instead to let us soak in this grief for now. Jesus, in talking to Nicodemus, said, This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. Good Friday is about many things and ultimately about our reconciliation with God by Jesus' work on our behalf. But it cannot be separated from our wickedness, our grief, our loss, times our terror and death. Hebrews 12.3 tells us to consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself.